This is Travis J. Vernon, and welcome to today's podcast. I can't help but get excited for the next season. When it's winter, I'm looking forward to spring and chasing turkeys. Then when it's summer, I'm excited for the foraging and the fishing and the camping and scouting for fall hunting. I start putting out my trail cams and I spend as much time exploring as possible. Then when fall rolls around, I do my best to fill the freezer with organic free-range goodness. With as much of the meat as I can justify, I make jerky, sausages, salamis, and any new charcuterie that I've been introduced to. Then it's time for waterfowl until the water turns hard, and then I get excited about ice fishing. This is pretty much my life over and over for years and years and years. I tend to look ahead to that next big thing. Sometimes I forget to truly enjoy the now. And that reminds me of a story. So there I am. It's early fall. I've decided to go out and chase some grouse around. The elderberries are starting to turn colors. The choke cherries are starting to become ripe. And a lot of the grouse have started to move into those forage areas. The spot I used to go, I had permission for. But now it's changed hands and they don't allow hunting any longer. But there is a good number of rough grouse in the area. And on this particular day, I had taken the old white Oldsmobile Beast and headed up into the mountains. I spent quite a bit of time chasing a few birds around. When I flushed one, it flew downhill. And I got down into the choke cherries, and there was this moment of tranquility. The only way to get to where the grouse had gone, I had to crawl on my hands and knees underneath this overhanging tangle of chokecherry bushes. As I crawled into the center, it opened up into almost a dome. And right then, the sun was starting to set. It was starting to get a little late, because this was an after-school hunt. And the way the light was shining through the trees... It made the whole area pink, and it was spectacular. It was one of those moments where I truly appreciated nature in the moment. It wasn't something I was trying to accomplish. It just happened. And those things happen the more you spend time in the out-of-doors. You'll find these little places that I like to call wilderness cathedrals. And that's what this little area in the choke cherries was. It was a small piece of heaven here on earth. It was a place I found wall hunting that was just amazing. Now you may remember me talking about the beast, the big white Oldsmobile. That was the vehicle that I was allowed to use to go hunting in. Most of the places that I would go were pretty close to where I lived. My grouse hunting spot was just up the mountain from me, and it took not too long to get up in there. On one occasion, my little brother Jared and I took the beast and decided to see how far up we could get to see if the grouse hunting spot was accessible. But this was early spring. The roads really weren't that good, and we shouldn't have been taking the beast up in there. Our parents were 
out of town, and we took the beast as far in as we could go. Well, we got to this one spot where it was a really, really narrow two-track on a really steep hill. We thought we could make it up this hill. So we pile in the beast and start heading up this small two-track. About halfway up, it gets a little too wet. We start to spin out, and the car slides off the two-track and begins to go down the really steep embankment. We quickly get out of the car, and we look, and we realize there's no way to get it back on the road unless we jack it up and then push it off the jack back to the road. So we try this twice, and on the second time when we pushed it, it almost slid to the bottom of the hill, but it teetered up against the small aspen tree. Now at this point, we were screwed. There was no way to get the car any direction. And if at any moment that little aspen tree gave way, our car was going to roll to the bottom of the mountain. So the only thing we could do was hike out. It was a little over a mile and a half back to our house. We hiked all the way down. And as I said, my mom and dad weren't home. So we called my grandpa Dean. And my grandpa Dean came up with his truck Drove up to where we were, got out, took one look at it, shook his head and said, Boys, what have you done? We can't get that out of here with this truck. So we had to go back down to the house and call a tow truck. And the tow truck driver, when he got up there, shook his head and said, How in the world did you get that Oldsmobile this far up into the mountains? They ended up having to hook about five different pulleys onto different trees and winch it back up onto the road. But once they got it onto the road, we said, you know, it was fine and we'd be able to get out of there. I didn't realize till much later in life that we never paid for the tow truck. So that's something that my grandpa must have done. And he also never told my parents, which was a pretty cool thing. We fessed up 10 or 12 years later, but not at the time. My parents would let me drive the beast once I hit about 14. When I was getting closer to 15 and I had my learner's permit and different things, I was able to take it to school as long as I stayed on the back roads. But before that, the only thing I could use was this little tiny Suzuki moped that my father had purchased almost as a joke when we were in Japan. I think he paid less than $100 for it. It had a maximum speed of about 25, 30 miles an hour. Well, this became one of my hunting vehicles. It was kind of a light purple with a white leather seat. Not really the most subtle of vehicles. But on one occasion, I took Susie and we went up the mountain to go chase grouse. I had my 20 gauge... I had my 20 gauge over the left handlebar, and when we got to the steeper parts of the hill, I had to push with both my feet just to get it up and over. Well, it was a pretty good day. Got into the grouse pretty heavy, shot a limit, loaded up, which was kind of fun. I had the little bungee straps on the luggage rack on the back of the moped. So I had all four of my grouse bungee strapped to the rear of the moped. 
and I'm coming out of the mountains. And as I get to the steepest part of this gravel road, going back to my parents' house, there was a big washout rut. And it was starting to get a little dusk. And I didn't see it quite quickly enough. So the front tire slid into the rut and it threw me off the moped. The barrel of my 20 gauge shotgun hit the ground first and the stock hit me square in the sternum and pretty much pole vaulted me a little distance. The next thing I remember is it's pitch black and there's stars. I'm like, well, that's really bizarre. It was just barely dusk. Well, I started to kind of put the pieces together and I realized it must have knocked me out when I crashed. So I picked up Susie, made sure all my grouse were there. One was thrown quite a ways from the accident. It's important to wear your seatbelt when you're a grouse on a moped. Gathered everything up, was having a little bit of a hard time breathing, and I took Susie back down to the house. I think it was the first time I'd ever laid her over. She wasn't real pleased. Well, I get back to the house, and I walk in, and my parents are a little upset because my curfew was an hour after dark, and it was about three hours after dark. So I'd been on the mountain for much too long. But they could tell by the look on my face that something was wrong. And my dad said, are you okay? He said, I think I'm okay. My chest hurts really bad. And I explained what happened and how I wrecked. And he said, well, put the palms of your hands together and try pushing. I did that. No problem at all. He said, well, gra grasp your fingertips and pull. So I grasped my fingertips and pulled, and I about passed out again. And I said, well, it looks like you're probably going to have either some bruised or broken ribs. There's not really anything they can do for that. So you just need to suck it up. It would have been a way worse story if I hadn't shot a limited grouse. Susie is still alive and kicking to this day. I might just need to take her out for a grouse hunt just to reminisce, just for old time's sake. I'll do my best not to lay her over. My parents have always been super fair when it came to things like birthdays, Christmas. If somebody got something, that was kind of the price set for the year. When it came to Christmas, everybody got the same amount. And then whatever was left over, depending on what gifts you had wanted from Santa Claus, you would just get that cash. So literally to the penny, it was fair. I remember one year, I really wanted snow camo coveralls that I could use to go chase foxes back behind my parents' house and down towards the river. Now, I would go hunt foxes with the 22, and I would do this almost every day after school during the wintertime. I would just walk out the back door, walk down through the field, up and over the hill, into these knolls of sagebrush with the river down in the bottom. I would get picked out by the foxes all the time. On occasion... I would have an opportunity, but I, I knew reading these field and stream magazines, looking at Gander Mountain, looking at Cabela's catalogs, I knew that if I had these snow camo coveralls, that that would be the solution. Well, they were kind of expensive. They were outside of the budget, but I promised my mom and dad 
that if I could get those, I would pay the difference. Because I really needed them. So they ended up getting them for me. For my Christmas present. And I was so excited. I threw those coveralls on. Out the back door I went. And vanished. Into the snow and sagebrush. Chasing foxes. I had this little tiny. 110. Camera. I remember on some of those. Super, super cold days. They made the most amazing sunsets. And it used to always frustrate me because that camera would never do them justice. I would always try and take these pictures of the sunrises and sunsets and they'd never turn out. Well, I had those white camel coveralls until I outgrew them. That was one of the most memorable Christmas presents I've ever received. I've been like that ever since. I have learned that it's not the outfit that makes the hunter, though. I could have gotten by with something else. But at the time, I I believed all the marketing and the propaganda. Now, those camel coveralls were warm. Quite often, I'd have to have them unzipped down to the waist just to be able to keep a little bit cool so that I wouldn't overheat when I was hiking around when the snow got really deep. On one occasion, I'd hiked up to the top of this ridge, and I could see that there were ducks down on the river. And it was duck season, so I hiked back to the house and got my 20-gauge, and then hiked all the way back down to the river. It's a little over a mile, maybe a mile and a half from my house down to the river. I hiked down, super cold, lots of ice shelves on the calmer parts of the water, and I jump-shot that group of mallards. I was able to take a nice drake, and he landed on the other side of the river. Well, I thought, I've got my Sorel boots on, I've got my camos on, I'll just run across as quick as I can, grab it, I'll be wet, but I can make it back to the house, no problem. So that's what I did. Ran across the river. Middle of winter. It was after Christmas, so it had to have been in January. Almost the end of the duck season. And I get this big, beautiful migration mallard and start heading back across the river when I stumble and trip and drop my gun in the water. So now I have to stay in there. I'm trying to find it. Finally find my gun. I'm not too far above my knees, but it was deep enough that to bend over to grab the gun, I had to get almost completely wet. But I couldn't leave my gun. So I bent over, get my gun, get out on the other bank, and I've got a mile and a half hike back to my house. Hike across the lowland, get to the sagebrush knolls, start hiking up the knolls. Snow's getting deeper, starts to get dark. I think I better push it. I gotta get home. It starts to get really, really hard to walk. Can't really figure out why. Well, these insulated camo coveralls had begun to freeze. And my legs were becoming more and more stiff. Pretty soon I was straight up penguin walking. And it was becoming, it had to have been comical, but it was becoming a challenge to get up over some of these big snowdrifts. 
And I kept having the temptation, just sit down and rest for a minute. Just sit down and rest. You're too cold. Just sit down and rest. I kept thinking, no, I can't. I just got to push through. Well, I get all the way to the top of the hill. And that's always kind of a fun moment for me in the wintertime because I could see my parents' home and I could see the lights would be on. And it gave me kind of that beacon, that little piece of hope. That's where I had to go. I just had to hike that much further and I would be to the spot that I needed to be. And for whatever reason, it gave me too much confidence. And I decided to sit down and take a break. And I fell asleep. I realize now how dangerous that was. But at the time, I was just a young kid. Barely past 12. Plus, I had a big, beautiful duck. I had to get home and show everybody. Well, all of a sudden, I opened my eyes, and I realized I had dozed off. And a little panic sets in because I think I might be late for curfew. So I try and stand up, and I almost can't. I had to use my gun to leverage myself back onto my feet so that I could continue my penguin walk to the house. By the time I get to the house, I am so frozen on the outside that I can't even get my bootlaces undone. So I walk in the basement door, and the first thing I do is fire up a huge fire in the wood-burning stove. And I sit in the rocking chair in front of the wood-burning stove in the basement, and I had to melt my outer layers so that I could undo the zipper on the coveralls and the laces on my boots just so I could get out of my cold, wet clothes. Man, I'm lucky it wasn't way worse than that. I didn't tell my parents about that for a long time. They had no idea. It would have affected my curfew. Couldn't do that. But right now I'm starting to look forward to the upcoming spring and summer seasons. I'm looking forward to going out and chasing some turkeys. And I really cannot wait to get back into the mountains, do a little camping, and start scouting for next season's big game. Well, I appreciate you all. Thank you for listening. Get out there and live some of your own stories.